Well, good morning, everyone. If you brought a Bible or you want to follow along, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. The words will also appear on the screen, so don't despair if you didn't bring a Bible today. You can still follow along at least to that degree. Uh, I want to pray this morning before we begin. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we do that? Let me just say before I pray that uh, you might be here this morning or you might be watching online and you are worried beyond your normal worry level. Now, I realize that some of us are just worriers and we worry about everything. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's something going on in your life that is really worrisome, and you've brought that with you this morning, or like I say, watching online, that there is something that you are just very concerned about, whether that be sick loved one or finances or your own health. I'm not, I'm not sure what that would be, of course, but I just want to pray for you this morning. I think the Lord has a special word and a special blessing for you, so I just want to point that out before I pray. So, Lord, we want to say thank you for your ever-present grace in our lives. We want to say thank you that even when you let us wander, you don't let us wander far. But your hand is always upon us. You're always within arm's length. You can always grab us back from certain disaster, Lord. I want to say thank you for that. Lord, I want to say thank you for your undying love that really because of your infiniteness, that we're not only favored, we are your favorite, that because of your infiniteness, each one could be a favorite. And so, Lord, I want to say thank you for the favor that you've given us. And Lord, I want to say thank you for your grace that comes in a moment, not based on things we've done or things we haven't done, but comes in a moment just by grace. And so, Lord, I'm praying for this one or these two or maybe, maybe a few, Lord, that have come with great concern this morning, that they are plagued by worry over this particular thing. Lord, I'm praying you'd set them free in Jesus' name. I'm praying that the peace of God that surpasses understanding would come and guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, I'm praying that you deliver them from this, that it would no longer be even a debilitating thing in their life. Lord, let that be done in Jesus' name. And Lord, whatever they're worried about, we pray resolve as well. We lift them up before you and we just pray resolve in the name of Jesus. Let that come. Let these issues, whatever they might be, let them be settled so it no longer has to be a worry. And Lord, I'm praying for those this morning that might need healing as well. I'm thinking about that person uh, who might have uh, um, uh, pain in their right shoulder. Lord, I'm praying that you would touch them this morning. And Lord, for any other need that's represented here this morning, Lord, meet the need. Meet the need this morning, Lord. Not because we're so great, Lord, but because you're so merciful. So Lord, let that be the case in Jesus' name. 
And Lord, we want to say thank you for your word, which you have protected these thousands of years that we could look into it on this very day. Lord, I want to say thank you for that which you've ordained by your sovereign control in our lives for us to be together in this place on this day and those listening online this day. Lord, we say thank you for that. We say thank you for your uh, sovereignty over our lives. Lord, now open our hearts that we might hear from you this morning. Lord, reign on fertile ground, Lord. May there be fruit that would come 30, 60, 100-fold, Lord. Let it be the case. And Lord, add your blessing to your word and your anointing to your speaker. And we pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in your Bibles, Acts chapter 32, or excuse me, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says this, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. What I want to speak to you this morning about is community. Community or fellowship or family, that aspect of what we do that is so important to us. Now, someone might ask the question, and rightfully so, Greg, why are you bothering with us, bothering us with this during a worldwide pandemic, pandemic and a countywide uh, shelter-in-place uh, order? Wouldn't this be better another time? And beside that, we're in the middle of Advent and Christmas, Greg. Couldn't you come up with a better message than community? Guys, my heart is full what the Lord wants to speak today. I believe in this shelter-in-place kind of, kind of life that we're living, this quarantine life that we're living, that we have to keep in mind that community is part of who we are. Even though we might be unable to meet in a way that we would like, this doesn't change the Word of God. This doesn't change who we are as a body of Christ. It doesn't change God's purposes for us. That God's desire is for his body to be together and to have communion with one another. To be in community. This is the word of the Lord. And I just feel in the day and age that we live in, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine a few months ago, and he said how, how, uh, um, how at, at home he was with, with staying at home. Their church isn't meeting. And how at ease he was with staying at home. And he said, he said, you know what? I actually prefer staying home to going to church. And I thought, there is a problem here. There is a problem. And I've run across many over the last six, eight months, whatever it's been since this thing began. It seems like five years, but uh, over these past few months, many people that have said to me, Greg, I'm actually quite comfortable with watching from home. I can watch it when I want, and I, can, uh, I, I don't even have to watch it during the Sunday morning. I can sleep in, and I can come later and watch it if I want, that sort of thing. And they're growing comfortable with just simply watching it online. Now, let me just affirm that, that we are supportive of people that need to quarantine. 
We are supportive of staying healthy. We are supportive, if you're sick, of not being in church. We are supportive of all those things. But even though we are supportive of those things, you have to understand that this is not God's desire for the body of Christ. This is not his ultimate for us. His ultimate for us is that we are together. And so in one sense, this message might just come as good teaching to some. It might just be like, Greg, that was really good. I never really thought about those things before. Thank you. For others, it'll come as a warning. It'll be like, you know what? I didn't see how far I'd fallen, but now that I've heard what you've said, I need to get, I need to get community back in order in my life. And then there are just a few that I think this will come as a prophetic warning into your life, that you are already doing things that you never thought you would do, that your heart is already cold. You're wondering if you're even still a believer. There are many things that are happening right now that you just thought, I would never come to this place in my life. This is going to come as a prophetic warning, that God wants you he wants you. He, want, he's, he wants to rescue you right from where you're at and bring you back into the fold. I think there is a great danger in not meeting together. Again, this is something that we need to do during this time. But there is a great danger in not meeting together. And so I just want to remind you of that this morning and then just talk a little bit about community in a very simple way, in a kind of 101 sort of way. So let me begin with this. First of all, I just want to remind you how important community is to Christ's church. First of all, notice this. God's priority for his people necessitates communion or community. You'll remember when Jesus was approached by a lawyer, and the lawyer said, said, tell us the greatest commandment. And Jesus said this. He said, the greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, these two things, loving God and loving your neighbor, are almost equated in that verse. In fact, he doesn't, he doesn't, it's not enough to say, uh, uh, love God and your neighbor. He says, love God and love your neighbor. I mean, it's very clear that this is the greatest commandment. These words that he uses here are not, not the Greek words that talk about a brotherly love or the Greek word that talks about an erotic kind of romantic love. It's the kind of love that talks about a very practical love. It's that word maybe you've heard, agape or agape depending on how you pronounce your Greek words. It's that idea of it's a practical giving love. It's the word that's used in 1 John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He so loved the world with this agape sort of love that he gave. He gave his one and only son. Now, for giving to take place one to another, it necessitates, in some sense, community, that we're actually together, that we can actually help one another. 
You remember the words of James where he says, he says, you just can't say to someone, I love you, and then go say, be well and be, be well fed and warmed, you know, sort of thing. Literally, literally, it says, go warm yourself and go feed yourself. You can't just say that if you love someone. There's something that you actually have to do in a practical way. If you agape someone, there's actually something that you have to do in a very practical way. And so God's priority for his people in love almost necessitates community in our life. Secondly, people were created for community. I'm talking to you about the importance of community. Secondly, people were created for community. Here's an article I found in Psychology Today, a popular psychology magazine. It says this, community is a lot like food. We need it to survive. What is more, we seem to have a basic drive for it. Psychologists find that human beings have fundamental fundamental need for inclusion in group life for close relationships. We are truly social animals. The upshot is we function best when this social need is met. It is easier to stay motivated to meet the very challenges of life. In fact, Evidence has been growing that when our need for social relationship is not met, we fall apart mentally and even physically. There are effects to the brain and to the body. Some effects work subtly through the exposure of multiple body systems to excess amounts of stress hormones. Yet the effects are distinct enough to be measured over time. So that unmet social need So that unmet social needs take a serious toll on health, eroding the arteries, creating high blood pressure, and even undermining learning and memory. So that's what's wrong with me. In other other words, we are built for social contact. There are serious life-threatening consequences when we don't get enough. We can't stay on track mentally. We We are compromised and we are compromised physically from psychology today. He ends by saying community is crucial for our health. I was reading as I was looking for this article, I found another article on quarantining. And just a small quote from that one. Uh, This is from another psychology site online. The quarantine-related symptoms of stress have been reported to be associated with several negative psychological outcomes, such as low mood, irritability, insomnia, anger, and emotional exhaustion. And there's my wife. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Where did she go? Hi, sweetie. May I say how exceptionally beautiful you look today? Too late. So has anybody seen this show called Alone? Alone. Just raise your hand. Oh, I'm surprised. Just a very few of us. Alone. I think it's on the History, on the History Channel or something like that. It's called Alone. It's this game show, so to speak. But what they do, they take about a dozen people and they drop them off by themselves in a wilderness area. The early episodes that I watched, they were dropped off on the, on the western shore of Canada and on those islands out in the Sound area, you know, and they had, uh, they had to survive on their own. Now, they are alone. There's no cameramen or anything like that. They train them how to operate the cameras, and they, and they talk about their days a day, day at a time. They're, they're always filming themselves. 
And so I thought this would be a very interesting show to watch. So I started watching it, and Sandy and I got into it, my wife Sandy and I, and uh, we thought it was really a really good show. In fact, I'm, I'm on the introverted spectrum, but I'm kind of I'm high-functioning introvert. Uh, I thought, I can do this. I can do this. It doesn't bother me to be alone. I can do this. And, you know, some of these guys, they started out really strong, like this one gal. I thought she was going to win it. I mean, she, she, she found out a way to catch fish, to get food. Her shelter was, was great. I mean, and she just had a great attitude. She was really doing well. I thought she was going to win it. But then one time, you know, she's filming herself. She's talking into the camera while chopping wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, yeah, she chopped herself, yeah. So she was off the show. She was off the show. And uh, few people get hurt, but some people... They're just like, they can't find food, and so they're just starving. So they call on their satellite phone, they come and pick them up. And whoever's the last one, they're the winner. And I think at the time when I was watching, it was like a million dollars. You get a million dollars if you're the one that make it to the end. Now, like I said, I thought I could do this. I thought I could do this until COVID started. Then I realized that I need people in my life. Once I had to start staying away from people, then I realized how much I needed people in my life. How much I love people, how much I love uh, talking to people, hugging people, being with people, laughing at people and having them laugh at me. How much I love that and how, how, how I miss that at this moment. So at one point, I thought I could do alone, but in the end, I realized I couldn't. Do you know what the main reason is that people bail out that they call on their cell phone? And they're like, I can't take this anymore. It's not because they're injured. It's not because they can't find food. It's not because they can't find shelter. It's not because they're freezing to death or any of those things. The main reason, they're lonely. They're lonely. They just need somebody. I mean, you get these, these hulk of guys, you know, that are, that are um, uh, ex-military or ex-police or these sort of things, and they're, they're just tough outdoorsmen. And give them, give them 30, 40 days and they're just lonely. They're just crying like babies, you know. They're just like, I want to go home. You know, I want, to, I want to be with my people. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my people, all these things. Guys, we are intended for community. On the other side of the coin, the Bible says in Psalm 133, it says this. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together together. That word pleasant talks about a spectrum of good feelings, of good and pleasant and joyful. I mean, this is just how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. And this idea of dwelling together is living in community. It's actually, it it doesn't mean necessarily living in community, but eating in community, of being together in community. Guys, when I started out in ministry, I started out in campus ministry, Worked with, worked with young people for many, 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 many years. And this one thing I've always noticed is that young people growing older never again find the community that they had in college. Never again. And so I would encourage them, enjoy this while you have it. It might seem like not much fun when you have to deal with roommates and that sort of thing, but enjoy this while you have it because in later years, you will look back longingly at these days, thinking, you know, I've, I never had better community than in those days. You know, the same thing is true with youth with a mission 
uh, missionaries. Is that this time, this three months together where they, where they uh, learn together and experience together and all these things, and then go on a three months, three months outreach sort of thing, and they're together for six months, you know, they just never, they're just never able to get that, that back. Just, they can't find a place to get that back. They want that back. But I'm just saying this to say, I'm just saying that to say this, is that community is more important to us than what we think. That it's much more, and sometimes we don't realize it until we don't have it. I shared this story with you once before. I'm going to do it again quickly for fear that I might bore you. But I met a lady once who was studying in America. She was, she was a doctor in Bulgaria and had moved to America to finish up her study so that she could be a doctor in Bulgaria. And she was actually attending the, the church that I was pastoring at the time. And she was part of the church for, for a long time while she finished her studies. And as she's getting done with her studies, she's deciding, I'm going back to Bulgaria. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wouldn't you much rather stay in America? I mean, look at, look at all the plenty. Look at all, all the things. I mean, Bulgaria at the time, she had told me uh, that in the wintertime, they actually had to go scrounging for wood to keep the house heated that they would break up furniture and burn, burn newspapers, and then they'd go scrounging for wood around the, around the city so that they'd get some wood together to heat their home in the wintertime. And so I finally said to her, I said, I, I said to her, wouldn't you rather stay in America than go, I mean, and I said it very nicely, so I didn't look so foolish, but I said, wouldn't you rather stay in America than go back to Bulgaria? She said, no. And the reason was, is because of the community in her church. She says, we pray together every day. We meet together every day in church. You know, we have these wonderful worship times, gatherings, and, and our, our pastor preaches these messages, and she says, she said, I, I'm so missing that. And of course, she must not have been finding it in the church I was pastoring, but <laughs> she was so missing that that she'd give all this away so that she could have that back. Guys, that's how important community is to us. So these two things, God's priority for his people necessitates community. People are created for community. And then here's a third one. The church fulfills its mission to God and the world through community. Think about this a second. I wonder if we can even pray the way we should without community. Remember what Jesus says about two gathered together? Wherever two are gathered together, there I am with them. And where two agree upon anything, those are the prayers that I'm going to answer. It seems to indicate that there's something about community that actually helps us in our prayer life. Now think about discipleship, another aspect of, of the ministry we do. Discipleship. Discipleship is essentially learning through relationship or learning by relationship. It's like a mentoring that happens. That's discipleship. How can you disciple someone without community? Essentially, you can't. This is like the, this is like the, cardinal, the cardinal value of all these other values that we value so highly. Think about worship. Think about worshiping him. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you come to worship and you're bringing a gift and you have something against your brother, go and make that right. Then once you've made that right, then come back and worship the Lord. You know what? 
Our community has to be in order even to worship the Lord in the way that we should. Here's the last one of our values. Here's the last value. Being a witness. Being a witness. Being a, uh, a witness to the world of the things that Jesus is doing. Remember when Jesus said, by this they will know. By this they will know me because of the unity that you have for one another. Guys, I really do think that this is the cardinal value of Christ's church, is that if we don't have community, it's going to affect all these other things all the way down. So this third thing is the church fulfills its mission uh, through community. Here's the fourth and final one. Believers actually grow and thrive in community. This was Jesus' method. This is how Jesus did it. Mark chapter 3. He called those he wanted to himself that they might be with him and that he might send them out to heal the sick and to raise the dead and to cast out demons, that he might do those things. First of all, they were called to be with him. First of all, they were called into community. This is what God desires. This is the way his mission is accomplished. This is the way believers grow. The same thing is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12, 13, and on, is that God's desire is for his people to grow into that measure of the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. As, as incredible as that sounds, that is really his goal, that we grow to be like Christ, that measure of stature, the word says. But how is this done? Reading on just a little bit farther, as each part of the body does its work, the body is built up and the believer is matured. So it takes a village. It takes a community to grow in him. It's how we spur one another on. I've shared this before too, so I'll be brief as well. This word found in Hebrews where it says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another on to love and good deeds, not forsaking our assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day draw near. It's this idea of stimulating to, to good deeds. I think the, I think the NIV says uh, spur one another on, spur one another on. So it's this idea of stimulating one another, spurring one another on, encouraging one another, that sort of idea. It's like this. If this wasn't such a negative word, this would be the word translators would have used. It's the word irritate. Let us consider how to irritate one another on to love and good deeds. Now, I'm a master at this. So my, so my wife tells me. I'm a master at this. This is my, this is my sense of humor. I like poking at people and just kind of just having fun sort of thing. It's, it's my one and only downfall. Uh, but here's the word, this idea of, of irritate or stimulate or spur uh, one another on. It's this idea that um, Sandy and I like going on walks. I like them more than she does, but we go on them together. And we'll go on these walks. Before it got really cold, we go on these walks. And even on a sidewalk that is generally cleared of all debris, all of a sudden, I'll feel a pebble in my shoe. Does this happen to anybody else? It's like, all of a sudden, you got a pebble in your... Where did this pebble come from, you know? So you got a pebble in your shoe. 
And so you're walking with this pebble in your shoe, and you don't want to overreact. You know, you don't want to, like, bend down, take off your shoe, shake it out, get... You just want to be cool about it, and so you just kind of, you know, you know, do this. You know, you just... You know, you just kind of shake it to a place that it's not right underneath your foot. So you walk, and you shake it a little bit, and you can shake it to the side. Pretty soon, the pebble's underneath your foot again. And finally, you just have to reach down, take off your shoe, dump it out, you know, put your shoe back on. This is this idea of stimulate. That it is something that we do one for for another, spurring one another on to growth, spurring one another on to go forward. Guys, this happens all the time in the most incredible, unsuspecting ways. That people were just having a, a simple conversation, could say something, and just things just fall into line. Bam, 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 you know? Because it's just one thing that person said or one thing they did. We need each other. For these reasons I mentioned, we need each other. That is the way God designed us. Now let me say again, I understand that we are in a safer at home um, county uh, order. I understand that. I understand that there's a worldwide pandemic and that we need to be careful. I understand that. I'm not saying anything against that. I'm just saying this. That's not the way God created us. I'm just saying we can do that for a time, but we can't do that forever. That's not the way church was made to operate. That's not, that's not how God's kingdom is made to operate. We're not just gathering together because we like each other. We're gathering together because we need it. We need it as believers to be together. That is part of how God created us. We don't have a hope without it, guys. If we're going to shelter in place from now to eternity, we don't have a hope. We don't have a hope. I mean, God would have to do something miraculous in our, in our lives to, to rescue us from that. In fact, my own thought is, you know, if this went on forever and ever, amen, which it's not going to, but if it did go on forever, we'd have to think up some clever way that we could have community and still be resistant to catching germs from one another. You know, like maybe bubbles or spacesuits or something. Because we cannot go on like this. We can't do it. It's not God's plan. It's not God's intention. God's plan and intention for us is community. Community. Okay, that's my introduction. So here's what I want to talk to you about. In these verses that I read to you earlier, it says this. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Three things I see here about community. This is, this is rudimentary community. This is, this is community 101. This is, these are the basics. So you're not going to go out saying, boy, that is just amazing, Greg. But you are going to go out and say, boy, I never really thought of that. I never thought of it. That's so, that's so true. Or you've never heard it put quite this way. So there are three things that I think are essential for community to take place. Three things. We need a common place, a common purpose, and a common purse. I'll explain that in a moment. I could have used a better word than purse on my last point, but I need another P, so it's purse. A common place, a common purpose, and a common purse. It says in this 
single verse near the end. But all things were common property to them. This word common in the original language is koine. We use this when we talk about the Greek of the day, which was common Greek. It's referred to as koine Greek. Or like the word that's often translated fellowship in our Bibles, that is koinonia. It's that idea that we have something in common. And most often when the Bible is talking about fellowship or koinonia, they're talking about a shared life. We have, a, we have a shared life, and this is how it's shared. So these things that I'm going to share with you are what does it mean to have a shared life or community of, or having things in common? What does that mean? So here's the first thing. The first thing I think we need that is absolutely essential, and you've probably guessed this by the things I've already said, is that we need a common place. It says, and the congregation of those who believed we're of one heart and one soul. Some say in this section, some, some Bible translations says, um, mine says uh, congregation of believers. The NIV says multitude of believers. Other translations says company of believers, community of believers, group of believers. Whatever the case was, it was these group of believers that were together. Number one, for community to happen, we need a common place. We actually do need to come together. It says in Acts 2.44, and all those who believed were together. That there is something about this that God does when we're together that doesn't happen anywhere else. There is something special when we're together as a body of believers that doesn't happen anywhere else. Is God omnipresent? Is God present everywhere in the world, not only the world, but the universe? Is God not always present uh, everywhere? Yes, yes, he is. I'm not saying anything against that, but I'm saying this. God does something special when his church is gathered together. That's why I'll often pray, God, arise to your resting place on the worship of your people. The Bible says that he enthrones himself on our worship. This is his resting place. When his people come together and begin to worship, this is his resting place where he rests amongst us. In fact, you'll see in a moment that God often in this place, this meeting place, this gathering place, wherever that is, that God often shows his presence and often shows his power in those places. Take, for example, the Garden of Eden. Way back in the beginning, God had a special place to meet with Adam and Eve. Created Adam, created Eve, but he had this special place. God was omnipresent. He's, he's, he's uh, present all over the universe, but he makes this little, tiny, little special place, Garden of Eden, to, to meet with Adam and Eve. And it was during that time the Bible tells us that he'd walk with them and talk with them in the coolness of the day. And they had this, this back-and-forth relationship. Imagine being in the presence of God where you talk to him as a man face-to-face. -face. Garden of Eden. We only have to read a little bit farther to find the next case. Mount Sinai. So after Israel was in, after Israel was in uh, Egypt for, how long was it? 400 years, right? For 400 years after, is that right? Yeah. Doesn't sound right for some reason. After Egypt was in, after Israel was in Egypt for 400 years, 
God appears to Moses in a burning bush that doesn't burn up. He says, go to Pharaoh and tell, tell him to let my people go. So Pharaoh, so, Egypt, so Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, God says, let my people go that they might come and worship me in the wilderness. You know what Pharaoh's response is? Pharaoh says this, why can't they worship God right here? They can worship God in Egypt. Why do they have to go out to the, out to the wilderness? Moses says, no, they have to go out to the wilderness. And so then after a period of time, you, you remember how this account goes, after a period of time, they go out, three days journey, Mount Sinai, God meets them at Mount Sinai with his presence and with his power. In fact, a cloud comes down on the mountain and peals of thunder and lightning flashes and God is there present with them. Why did it have to be Mount Sinai? Why did it have to be in the wilderness? We don't know, but we do know this, that God had a gathering place for his people. Let me give you another one. How about the tabernacle? The tabernacle was that tent of meeting that Moses built by God's command given to him on Mount Sinai. That he built this tent of meeting where, where God would meet with his people. And all the encampments, the 12 tribes of Israel, encamped around the tent of meeting. And the tent of meeting was in the middle. And that's where Moses would go to hear from God and to seek the presence of God. Was God's presence everywhere? Yes, it was. But there was something very, very special that was happening in the tent of meeting. What comes next? The temple. So they build a temple. Solomon, at his dedication prayer, is praying uh, this dedication upon the, upon the temple. And during his prayer, as his prayer ending, a cloud of glory descends upon the temple. God makes his presence known, in fact, in such a great way that the priest cannot minister for the glory of God, the Bible says. Let it happen again, Lord. Come, come, do it again. Here's the point. There is something special that happens when the body of Christ is gathered together that doesn't happen anywhere else. God manifests his presence in a special way and manifests his power in a special way. Let me go just a little bit farther before I start boring you. Think about the new... Oh, no, let me back up just a little bit. When the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., the Babylonians came in, destroyed many cities, destroyed many cities in the land of Israel, and finally destroyed Jerusalem and carried away captives to Babylon. When Israel was in Babylon, they no longer had the temple, so they began meaning in the synagogue. So this is where the synagogue got its got its start. So they were actually, they were actually, meet, they had, this is the place where we meet with God. We got a meeting place. We got a sacred place, this gathering place. Of course, in the New Testament, first of all, it's gathering around Jesus. Then it's that upper room in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. They were all gathered together in one place. And then the Spirit of God was poured out upon them. Could God have done this if they weren't in the same place? Absolutely! Right? Absolutely. Wherever they were, he could have done. But God did it something special when they were gathered together. Now think about this. In eternity, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that we will gather once again around his throne. Every tribe and every nation in numbers that cannot be counted will be gathered around the throne worshiping God. And the elders bow down. And 
I mean, you can read those accounts for yourself. But just beautiful to be in the presence of God where he is manifesting his presence and his power. He could do that anywhere. But he chooses to do it when the body of Christ is meeting together. Guys, let me just say before I go on, this is not incidental. It might seem like a really simple thing. Well, to have community, you have to be together. That might seem like a really simple thing, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And it's, and it's, it's, it's something, it's the way God made us, but it's part of his plan. It's part of his plan where God reveals himself in a special, special way. So here's the first thing we need for community. We need to be together. We need to be together. Here's the second thing, or a commonplace. Here's the second thing. We not only need a common place, we need a common purpose. It says there again in that verse, and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. In a parallel verse, it also says that they were of one mind. So one heart, one soul, one mind. Of course, the mind talks about the intellect. The soul talks about our inner affections and emotions. And uh, what was the other one? Our heart, soul, heart. And our heart is the center of who we are. So essentially, what the writer is saying is, with all their heart, with all that is within them, with all their being, they were in agreement. Now, does this mean that they agreed on everything? No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that, that they just simply just you know, put everything else aside, their differences of opinions, all those things aside, and they just agree to That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is this, that Jesus was Lord and that their hearts were focused upon, upon him. That they thought one thing, Christ is Lord. That they experienced one thing, the power and the presence of God. That they wanted one thing, to know him and to make him known. This is what they what their desire was. Does this mean they were in complete unity? No, they weren't in complete unity in that sense of, 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 of they all believed the same thing. But they were in unity in this sense, that they loved the Lord Jesus. They were seeking his presence and experiencing his power to know him deeper and to make him known to others. This is how this happens. John said in his epistles, he said, if you walk in the light, what does he say in his epistles? He says this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If we walk in the light like he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Let me just, let me just give you an um, illustration to illustrate this, and then it'll become more clear to you. Years ago, when I started playing on a, on a worship team in our, in our small little church, 40 people there, uh, this was, they, were, they already had these electronic tuners to tune your instrument to, but most people didn't have them. You know, it was just like, we're just going to do it the old-fashioned way. You know, just, you go to the, the piano player, you go, okay, give me a G, B, G, 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 Okay, got it. Okay, give me a D. D, 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 Okay, and then you go, and then the next person's instrument, he would tune to the piano. Everybody tune to the piano. You know, by tuning to, every one of us tuning to the piano, each of us were also in tune with one another. 
Whoever walks in the light, as he is in the light, has fellowship one with another. When we set our hearts and our minds on Christ Jesus, we automatically come into unity. Now, there are still things we think differently and, you know, all those things. But there comes a unity is that, is that we have a common purpose. We have a common purpose to know him, to make him known, to seek after his presence, to say the Lord is, Jesus is Lord. That is our, our common purpose. That's what we have in common, lifting him up. So as we grow closer to him, we grow closer to one another as well. So they had a common purpose. Here's the last thing, a common purse, which I think is really interesting. First, you're, you're mad at me because I'm speaking on community, you know, during a pandemic and a county shutdown, but now I'm going to talk to you about money too, so you'll, you'll be mad at me about that too. So a common, a common purse, it says here, and uh, they're one heart, one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Now there's a principle here and there's also a practice. Let me tell you about the practice first. The practice was is that uh, all things were common property to them. So what they had done at this time, they were just so caught up in what God was doing at the, at the moment, they just began sharing things with one another. In fact, people would sell things to help other people. And so it says here they had everything in common. That is the practice. Now, there might not be a need for that practice today. Maybe, they, maybe it will at some point in our lives. But here's the principle not to miss. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. See, there's the principle for community. I am here for you. And I'm going to help you with all that I have. This is not my own. God has given this to me. Whatever I have, God has given it to me. And so if God can help you through me, then let it be. I'm considering anything I own is not my own. How that works out is different for all, different for all of us. And yet this should be the principle of our life for community. Is that there is not only a common place and a common purpose, but there's a common purse as well. Because we're in this together. You know what they, you know what they say, uh, um, uh, marriages in Wisconsin, they have a, a common property clause sort of thing, you know, that, that if you're married to someone, what they have is yours and what you have is theirs. I mean, it's supposed to be that way anyway. Um, the same thing is true in the body of Christ. The things that we have are not our own. They're given to us by God, and we use them for others. Now, again, for everybody, that's different. That's different how that works out, how we, how we use what God has given us one for another. But I do have some very practical advice that I want to just give you quickly here in the end, and it's found in this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. It says this, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem, and if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. Here are just four things I just want to draw your attention to very quickly as I close. That our sharing, this shared 
purse, this common purse. These are principles. Not, not in practical ways, this will work out on your own, but let me give you these principles. Our sharing should be primary. Our sharing should be primary. The Bible says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. First, it should be primary. Paul says to the, to the Corinthians, on the first day of the week. Secondly, it should be persistent on the first day of every week that our giving to one another should be persistent, that this shouldn't be something that's just done willy-nilly, you know? Here, I got five bucks. You want five bucks? Here, you got five bucks. Oh, I only got 50 cents. You want 50 cents? No. no, it's something that's done in a persistent manner, something that we've thought through, we've prayed about, we've, we've um, uh, put into practice. Primary, persistent. Thirdly, personal. As I've directed all the churches, I'm directing each one of you. It's not for just the rich. It's not for those that just have a lot of money. It's not for those that don't have kids in college. It's not for, you know, it's for each of us. It's like the woman with two mites that was sitting in front of the temple that she gave everything she had. Jesus said she gave more than anybody else, only she only had two mites. I think the New International Version says two pennies. But she put in everything she had. She made it personal. And then here's the last thing. It has to be primary, it has to be persistent, it has to be personal, but it also has to be proportional. Put aside and save as you may prosper. So God isn't asking for $10,000 from someone who only, who only makes $12,000 a year. God isn't asking that. But all our giving should be proportional. That's, that's part of what it means to be part of a community, a common common place, common purpose, common purse, that everything we have we consider not being our own. It's not our own. It's, it's for the community. It's for the kingdom of God. Guys, why don't we stand to our feet? I just want to pray for you before you go. The worship team is coming. They're going to lead us in a song. Then I'll come back and do a closing prayer. But before we do that, if you wouldn't mind just standing and closing your eyes and shutting yourself in with God. The reason I do this is because this is the time often when the Lord will confirm and speak things to us in a very private and a very personal way. Nobody else knows what's going on around us. And to help with distractions, I have you close your eyes so it's just you and the Lord. Don't be concerned with you know, what's going on with the worship team or what's going on down the, your row or, you know, uh, what child is kicking the back of the pew. Don't be concerned with that. Just close yourself in with the Lord. This is between you and him. First of all, I want to talk to this person. You're here today or you're online and you're watching. And although you have enjoyed hanging around the cross, hanging around God's people, going to and from church, you know you've never really made a commitment to the Lord. Where you take yourself off the throne and you put him on the throne. Where you put him in his rightful place. You take yourself off and you put him in his rightful place. Where you come before him and say, Lord, there is this sin problem that is keeping me separate from you. Would you come 
and cleanse me from all unrighteousness that I might be pure and have abundant life now and eternal life later. Lord, would you come? Would you come and do that in my life as I take myself off the throne and put you on the throne? I want to pray for you in just a moment. And there are some here, you know, you're going you're gonna to walk away today. You're going to say, Greg, that was, that was good Bible teaching. That was good stuff. I'm going to use that someday. And then there's some here that, you know, you just feel a little tap on the brake. You're just a little cautious. You're just, you're like, Greg, I'm glad you said what you said today because I was going this direction that I just don't think is a good direction. Now I'm heading back the other way. Now as your eyes are closed, you're shut in with the Lord. There's one last group that I'm really the most concerned about. Is that you are falling away. You're falling away. You've been outside community now for many, many, many months. The world has become much more attractive than it should be. You are doing things that you thought you would never do after becoming a believer. And now it seems like the devil has you by the throat. And you're like, Greg, I went back in. I went back in. I've made some mistakes. I've gone the wrong way. I've set myself off by myself. But I went back in. You can come back in today. I'm going to want to pray for you too. So Lord, here we are. Body of believers, both present and online, Lord. We're lifting these up to you, Lord. We say thank you for interrupting our path, Lord. It seems like you don't let us go too far before there you are. Just kind of just getting us back to the center of the road. We might, we might swerve to the shoulder, maybe sometimes even in the ditch, but you're just kind of getting us back to the center of the road. Lord, I want to say thank you for that. Lord, now by your grace, let us follow you in the way that we know you want us to. So Lord, we're praying your grace in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we're praying together for this one or for these few, Lord, that are really in the danger zone. Lord, they are losing their faith. They are, the devil has them by the throat, so to speak. Lord, we're praying a release in the name of Jesus. We pray that hold broken now in Jesus' name. And we're praying grace poured out in such a way that they find their way back in these moments. Lord, that they see you afresh, that everything that has been stolen from them is returned in this moment. Lord, let it be be a double portion of that which they've had in the past. And Lord, let them find fellowship where they need it. Lord, let it be the case. Let them find community once again that will keep them strong. Lord, let this be the case. So if you're within the sound of my voice, I make you this offer. If you are struggling, you're just finding it hard during this season to find community, call me at the church. Call me at the church or you can find my email through our website. Call me. I will help you. I will make it my priority to get you reconnected to the body of Christ. Just give me a call. Prove me. Prove me on this. Let's sing this song, then we'll be dismissed. So here we are, Lord. In your presence, looking once again for grace. Lord, we've heard your word. 
Now give us the grace to do the things that we know we ought to do. Lord, help us to be the ambassadors in this world that you've intended us to be. Lord, make us and shape us and mold us into that measure of the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. That your bride may be perfect when you return. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, in these days. Let us see you in ways that we have yet to see you. Do things in us and through us that we have yet to see. And Lord, transform us. Transform us, Lord. Make us more like you. Let it not be hard to see. Let it not be hard to see the things that you're changing in these days. So Lord, we're going to give you the glory and all the praise for you alone are worthy. And we pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, church, bless you. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. That little, yeah, terrible, terrible. Hate to go out on that little hand clap. Uh, God bless you. Uh, as Tom would say, we're still in COVID, so we want to be careful not to, not to uh, socialize too much in here. Please go outside, greet one another, socialize with one another. Be blessed, and we'll see you again soon.